On this podcast, two young travelers, Alex Dethrow and Jesse Lanier, will be going on a journey to find the greatest cinematic treasures. Each week, they spin the wheel of fate and allow destiny to decide whether the next few hours will be filled with genius and wonder or boredom and mediocrity. Our heroes hope to unbury hidden gems and share the discoveries with the world through humble conversations and maybe, if they're lucky, better themselves along the way. So welcome, one and all, to The Movie Quest! Well, everybody, welcome back to the to, to the this the podcast, the movie quest. Uh, I am, uh, I, I I am Jesse, and I'm here with my my other Alex. Alex, Alex. Here, um, here. And today we're going to be talking about a little film. This is this is episode three of this podcast, and we're going to be talking about a little film. Uh, yeah, called... right. I thought it was four. I know. I thought we were farther along than that, but time time just moves slow Wait, sometimes. Twenty four. Twenty eight. What are you talking about? Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, a musical little musical called A uh, Little Shop of Horrors, yes. made in 1986, yes, uh, directed by Yoda Man Frank Oz, <laughs> Yoda Man. starring fan favorite Rick Moranis, yes, sir. Uh, and others as well. Yes, sir. Uh, um, so you pick this. I picked this. This is your watch list, right? And I, I, I've always had uh, a bit of a mysterious, I guess, misconception about what this film was. I think I confused it with a lot of other types of films. I just knew that this was sort of like a cult. Like people love this film, yeah, 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 but yeah. I, I I never watched it. It was never in my childhood. Mm-hmm. None of my friends Neither. liked it. And so I I never had any kind of experience Which is weird, with it. I love- it's weird that I never watched this as a kid because I fucking, I love, I watch Ghostbusters, Caddyshack, like, I mm-hmm. love all of the, like, those 80s comedies that were, Steve Martin, I fucking loved Steve Martin when I was young. I've always watched almost every Steve Martin movie that I did from, like, 1977 to, like, I guess I just didn't watch this one when I was young. Yeah, but so, you, but you, but you have seen this before, right? Yeah, I saw this last year for the first time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so yeah, this was a, yeah, a recent yeah. thing. Which yeah. that's that's weird because I feel like that this is one of those things. Yeah, that it should have come up when we were watching Ghostbusters and shit. For sure. But it, it never did. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not really sure why. And I'm not really sure why I had this. It's hard to describe what I thought about this movie before yeah. I saw it. Um, I think I had ideas that it was like not a musical for a while or that it was really? about or that it was actually that musical. Do you remember that that musical that's about like the the barber who kills people? Oh, Sweeney Todd. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I really confused it with that yeah, one too. That makes sense. Yeah. So it was all just a big fucking jumble in, well, in my head. It's funny because well, Little Shop of Horrors is you know this was a very popular stage play. Like this is where mm-hmm. you know they, I think I was reading this is super weird. The history that super bizarre. I did not know this. Yeah, I was confused so by the it too. Movie, there was a movie that came out that was directed by Roger Corman. Who, if mm-hmm. you don't know anything about Roger Corman. And you like horror movies? Look him up. He is a 
Wild Man. I think he, he's a producer and director. But in the, the 60s till about the 80s, he produced close to about like 500 movies. Wow. And like all low budget. He's kind of like the low budget horror king. Uh, Robert That's cool. That's really but, cool. Okay. So he directed a movie called Little Shop of Horror that came out in 1960. Mm-hmm. But I think had a cult following. It had like a cult following. And then, forget his name, should have wrote it down. And then this guy, in the 80s, in the early 80s, made a stage musical based on that film. Okay. And so this movie, Little Shop of Horror, 1986 version directed by Craig Oz is the is based on the stage successful off Broadway production of Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, I, I think that, yeah. that that sounds. I think that sounds right. Which if I don't not think, close to I right. I always thought. I always thought that this was like an old. I always thought this was like an old musical that was made into a movie twice. It's funny that it was a movie, and then it was a stage play, and then it was a movie again. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's it... stage. And it's still it's a big, big production. They do it all across the world, you know? Like, it's big, very popular. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and, and I think the musical. lore might even go deeper, where the original, whatever the fucking original thing was, original uh-huh. got the idea, the seed from the idea from, like, an H.G. Wells story. That, that might not be the right, the right author on that, but there was a short story or something with yeah. a concept, basically, of a sense. plant. An alien-eating is... alien plant. That, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then that gets that gets changed into yeah. the little shop little shop of horror yeah. so kind of kind of an interesting thing that I, I feel like when people well actually that's not true because i asked eva about this my partner eva mm. about um because she said she had seen little shop of horror she knew the story but she had seen the stage play she was familiar with yeah, the stage play and sure, she had yeah. not seen the movie i'm sure so, did someone did, did, did her high school do it or something right exactly that's what happened and I that's, think that was my, her my high school did it also Oh wait, no, they did Sweeney Todd. Just kidding. Okay, see, okay, I feel yeah. better about that. I, yeah. That makes me feel a lot better. So I wonder, I wonder then when when people's that's probably part of my confusion that when people say Little Shop of Horrors, what they're thinking about. Like, yeah, I, mean, I think most people when, when they think of Little Shop of Horrors, I think they're thinking of the giant um, Seymour, the big, the big plant from um, the nineteen eighty six movie that we're going to yes, talk about yeah, today. Exactly. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. and I think like. That's probably had the most marketing. Yeah, well, also the the stage play, like I said, like is very successful. It is like a cult kind of stage production that you know um, I know a lot of theater kids obviously love and theater people that love it because you know um, first of all, did you like this movie? It was it was okay. So that's yes, I did. That let me put it out. Uh, yeah. the, the, for the most part, I definitely would say I have no qualms about it. I'm not even ambivalent about liking it. Yeah. I did really like this movie. It's just that I still have a weird time with musicals sometimes because sure, it's yeah. a very specific kind of yeah. film, a musical, and they're yeah. not always my cup of tea. Or I yeah. feel like that they're not my cup of tea, but I always enjoy watching them more yeah. than I think I will. Yeah. So. I had, I had, this film had this kind of same weird experience with it, but mm. at the end of the day, this was definitely something that um, yeah. I thought it was a really cool, a really cool movie. So, I'm glad, like, well, I love this movie. I think this mm-hmm. movie is one of the most fun movies I've, like, ever seen. Like, first time seeing it, I'm like, this is, 
I loved it, but for some reason the second time, it's just, this movie has this, this awesome vibe, and it's, I, I love musicals, I, I really do, I'm a big musical guy, I really do love musicals, I just think that musicals are, you know, for one, they're one of the oldest forms of cinema, like, early, like, some of the most classic, big, um, you know, popular, most successful, um, iconic movies are musicals, and it's such a genre that is so ingrained in cinema that, like, I think for people who, you know, um, like me, who are a cinephile, it's kind of hard to, when you do go and watch some of these classic movies like Singing in the Rain or, mm-hmm. you know, The Wizard of Oz and all these classical movies, it's kind of hard not to be like, yeah, they're, you know, Singing in the Rain is one of the greatest movies ever made. Like, I don't care who you are. If you're fucking 10, you'll love it. If you're 50, you'll love it. It's such a incredibly fun movie. And, but you're right. Like, musicals do, I think, have, because musicals are also really hard to make, that they could easily come off as, like, um, bad, you know? Like, it's very easy to make a bad musical because they're, um, you know, inherently, and I'm also, like, not a theater nut, and there is this, like, uh, very, like, performative aspect to uh, right. a musical, and if it doesn't come off as sincere or the music's not great, um, yeah, it could be, like, not, it's the same as, like, a comedy, it's straight comedy. If it's not making you laugh or it's not your sense of humor, you're not going to get into it. You know, it's a very particular, you know, style of film. You know, it's the same as like a horror movie. That's what I love about musicals is that they are, I love genre, like horror movies and, and comedies and because they're so specific and that they're like, I just think it's interesting that there are people who will not watch horror movies, period. Like they're like, yeah. if it's a horror movie, I will not watch it, which is just it's not even in my brain, you know, I'm like, conceding that, you know, it's just like, but I understand it, but I just am like, I want that, I love, I love, you know, specific types of things, musicals is such a specific right. genre of movie, but I think what makes Little Shop of Horrors is like, I wonder if you got this, is that, one, this movie's so funny and there is a version of this movie is that you know what i love about this film is that it is a musical it is very much like a honestly like like a real musical it's not like a parody of musicals or anything it is a musical but it's a comedy it's a it's a silly right fun movie and with that you almost to like almost let go of this almost like um, it makes it, the vibe of this movie is actually a lot more unique than I think a lot of musicals because there is this, I don't want to say parody, but there is this, uh, silly quality to this, which lets you kind of, you know, um, embrace this, you know, fun, goofiness I, the, the, I feel like is, the word you know? that maybe you're looking for is absurdity, which is what yeah, I really right, liked yeah, it about it. Beautiful it was, absurdity. It was, it was, and there was like this great freedom in the in the absurdity of the right. world uh, right. in it. Uh, and I wanted to I want to go back to a couple of points you mentioned about just like the distinction of the musical genre specifically mm. because I think that's a really good point about what might rub people the wrong way or rub people the right way. Yeah. Um, oh, is, the musicals. Another thing that's fascinating about musicals 
there, it, now you can get as popular genre of cinema. Ever. Yeah, people people fucking love them. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I think I think the big thing that I tend to dislike about musicals, when, usually when they're done poorly, is going back to an early film when we were making the transition to like theater to film as for visual storytelling we had and we didn't quite have the the understanding of what could be done with the camera we had a lot of very stale shots Mm -hmm. so like a theater performance that is filmed is i hate watching film theater performances but i find that i love theater when i'm sitting there in the audience watching it you get absorbed into the world and that's what i like i like getting absorbed into the world and really getting in there but a poorly filmed theater performance is Mm -hmm. really really painful to sit through and i'm going to make an example that is not about quality here Mm -hmm. but um like just thinking about the difference of tones of what movies can be in the variants, because I recently watched no country for old men and (laughs) remembered how amazing that fucking movie is. But thinking about comparing a movie like no country from old men to little shop of horrors, you can see how distinctly different the tone of these. They're both movies, right? They're both definitely obviously movies, but the tone of like no country for old men is so different with what they're doing and the way that the camera works is done the focus on it's not theatrical you know it's right. way more movie you know filmic kind yeah. of movie and but whereas little shop of horrors mm-hmm. is the very theatric theatrical yeah. movie kind of brand yeah. of types of things like that and so getting back yeah. to usually what i don't like about musicals is when the the cinematic language is not that engaging to me yeah what sure. i yeah, like yeah, so yeah. much about little shop of horrors <clears throat> though yeah. is how the, the cinematic language I found to be really cool. I thought that they were doing a lot of really yeah. cool shit with the camera, yeah. with the editing. Like they had, um, they had, uh, oh my God, what is it called when you discontinuity cuts, you know, like oh, fucking, yeah. Yeah. um, uh, uh, French yeah. new waves. What yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah. What is the word for that? Uh, anyways, it's, it's lost, but they, they did that at one point where they had like these fast cuts and they had like this really cool, like camera movements yeah. and they kind of really leaned into the these uh, these sets that feel like like play sets yeah. but they have yeah. like this this fi- filmic like fairy tale quality to right. it that all really worked within the world right. of, but of that's, a movie you know, that, that's, uh, that's, you know it's funny like i'm not trying to like you know be but it's funny that you, the way that you talk about musical i just think I think you should watch more musicals. I think you should watch some, some old, some classical stuff. Mm-hmm. The Red Shoes, An American in Paris, Singing in the Rain. These are yeah, all Yeah, because like, I haven't seen any of those. Yeah, yeah so I haven't watched any of them. I don't them. think you watched a lot of great musicals. Like, I think because what you're describing is like, it was interesting to hear because it's like, great musicals are. To me, the most transporting, almost of cinema that you can get. Well, I would say even on top of all those things that and I Rise like that Sar- quality. Right. Even amazing even though sport. I like all of those qualities of Little Shop of Horrors, it's still not quite my preference. I would yeah. say. Oh yeah. It's not sure, that yeah. that kind of that kind yeah. of movie. I prefer um more of like the I guess I don't know the best way to I describe it. I'm not I'm not sitting here like you know I'm not watching musicals every day, you know. Um, but. I think, but yeah, what, what you're talking about with the, this, like, what I love about this movie is that I love that it's shot on a soundstage, and I love that it's, 
That's a it really cool choice. Awesome fun uh vibe to it. And it, it calls back to um the fifties loose classical music like Top Hat, all those Steve Kelly films, obviously Singing in the Rain. You know, very much like um what I loved about the sets is it did feel like Singing in the Rain but it's set in Skid Row. So it's like it's almost like Singing in the Rain if it was put through like fucking dirt and mud and it just looks like really fun it feels like you're on sesame street set you know it feels but that adds to the to the fantastical element of this movie and, and like if it felt you know if it wasn't side of their set and a lot of these absurdly things it might not the code might not um you know mess as well as it does ultimately you know um and yeah i love that decision that it, it's very they're very much like clearly like showing you that it, this is a set like they're not hiding from the fact that it's like yeah you know and like that's to me and also like watching this too is like and this wasn't this isn't the 80s this isn't like you know this is a choice this is a deliberate choice this isn't like you know this isn't the 50s like that's what they did you know it's like, like you know movies from the 50s look like they're shot on sound faces because that's just what yes. they did you know yeah. in the 80s this was a deliberate choice to make it a stylistic look like choice. A, a set and a stage to harken back to these old musicals. And what I love, too, is that because Little Shop of Horrors, it, it is a musical, but it is deranged. Like, it is, like, a kind of deranged, uh, silly musical. And it just has this... It makes sense that this movie, like, became kind of a cult film because... Another thing, I think the music is really fun. I think I love the songs. I think that they are catchy as hell. They're funny as shit. There's so many really funny songs. Like, obviously, Feed Me Seymour is so funny. And then the dentist, dentist shit is so yeah, funny. Yeah, that's, that's a really funny uh, sequence. Suddenly, Seymour is like this really, actually, kind of beautiful ballad. But the way that they presented in this movie is so, like beautifully absurd and like over the top and just like fun and just and the performances in this movie are so fantastic they're so heightened and almost like pitch perfect of like what this needed like it's no one's going too far and like you can't really go too far in this movie yeah steve Steve martin is putting on a insane over the top performance in this movie and it is it's perfect. It, he could have went higher and it would have been better, you know? Yeah. Like, and I, I, it's I, fun. That's one of the things that was that was such a joy about watching it was that this 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 fine like sort of grasp on keeping the world very stable and consistent and reliable, but very carefully keeping a strong a distance from reality and keeping it in this fantasy land allowed for the story to do all of these crazy, innovative, experimental yeah. thing and still work within the framework of the world right. and, the, and the film and the story. And yeah. uh, I really like that because that's really fun because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, right. like, the progression <laughs> yeah. of things. Like, um... I like that moment that after after the fucking so kind of jumping really later into the film, but after the the boss of the <laughs> of the flower shop yeah, gets Mr. eaten, uh, fucking, uh, 
just how how like the whole film takes this this i would like i was not expecting it to kind of go into this montage twist of like years later of <laughs> uh, rick more of seymour yeah. just getting really famous Most off Nick. of uh off Mr. of oh, Mushnik off of off of uh the the plant off of audrey yeah. too um uh so that was but the, it had that flexibility <laughs> of form that you know it was like oh wow i can see how this fits into a conventional you know sort of three-act structure but this is such a fun wild goofy way to kind right. of do it and kind of right. fit and fit those things in there yeah. um and it's and it's also what i like about this is that sometimes I feel like people who take this absurdist approach to films, I can't think of great examples for this, but um, instead of the story sort of congealing into a whole, it feels more like a, a collage of, of, of funny skits that are mm-hmm. really funny on their own, yeah. but they just don't, they don't really congeal yeah. into anything. Yeah, 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 but yeah. a little shop of horrors, I feel like really works together. Yeah. Like we have that moment, like the fucking dentist where you, you have like these whole detours where we follow Steve Martin as this yeah. deranged dentist. Yeah, and then yeah. Bill Murray makes a guest appearance as a masochist. Yeah, the cardiac, the cardiac the hilarious. Really yeah. good. Bill Murray, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost like this, like, that was there's somebody else in the story, but, but there's a, you know, it's funny, it's like the, the you know, all the, all those, like, the, these big comedy stars in the 80s, you know, Bill Murray and John Candy, those are two of the biggest comedy stars, and Steve Martin of the 80s, you know, they're, they're in this movie, it's kind of fun to see them, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I really like Bill Murray's performance, it's I hilarious. thought that was, like, one of the funniest Bill yeah, Murray so things funny. I've seen yeah. in a long time. I haven't yeah, watched. So it's been a while since I seen like young Bill Murray do his mm-hmm, shit. Yeah. And you for I, I forget how good he is because yeah, that really, yeah. that scene I love that Our that comment. setup is also really like that's <laughs> yeah. that's there's really that great writing. The the, the the writing in the movie I think is really really strong, which I think you mentioned with how funny the script actually is. Like the script is it's so funny. Yeah, it's it's really, so so funny. It's really crazy. It's really, like. If we laugh so fucking hard. And it's the combination of like a really strong script and these these excellent performances. Like these excellently right. executed and directed performances. I think yeah. were like, the thing is, like, really like, came together. Frank Oz is also like he is a great director. He's made a lot of great great movies and you know, um, he I just wanna shout out like like always shout this out another Steve Martin comedy that he, Frank Oz made that was on Netflix for a long time. I don't know if it's still there, but called Bowfinger. It's with Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. And it's like one of those underrated comedies like I've ever seen. It, I think I've seen it like five times. It makes me laugh so goddamn hard. And Frank Oz, he also made like, he co directed, um, you know, fucking obviously The Dark Crystal and a lot of the Bucket movies. Mm-hmm. You know, very, you know. Friends with Jim Henson, we even mentioned like kind of the the the, the puppetry of the film with Seymour with Seymour is like or fucking Audrey too is uh, <laughs> really amazing. Like it's yeah, really very cool. innovative. Like it's so cool and fun, and it's very much like in line with like you know what 
like an eighties pocket square. I mean, they were just in it. They were with puppetry industry was happening. You know, people were just in the puppets in the eighties, and mm-hmm. it was like Dark Crystal, Sesame Street was huge. You know, the Muppets were obviously. I think they were probably on the the fifth Muppet movie at this point, nineteen eighty six. The Muppets were, you know, hugely successful. And, you know, obviously Star Wars had just ended, you know, it was like, you know, so Seymour, or Audrey too, is like such an amazing, fluid, awesome, fun puppet that it's just like, feels so like alive and like in the fucking, in the room. And part of that is also the amazing performance by the voice actor that is just unbelievably funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a mm-hmm. great voice and just, just a funny, over the top, like, almost like blues, like, like a sing, soul singer, which is just, uh kills me every time. It's so funny. Uh, it's really fucking uh, Al Green-ass voice. Uh, so funny. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things I thought was really interesting uh, also about how this, this film, the, the core themes of this film and the benefits of, of, being a, a, a this absurd musical story, this yeah. absurd parody musical, is how I was I was really struck by how this is almost a like Lovecraftian story right. at its core. Right. But it's the horror of it. It's like yeah. the monkey paw, right? It's a right. monkey paw archetype, but which is a horror story at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And little, it's called Little Shop of Horrors. So it yeah. is kind of like dancing around being a horror film but yeah. the goal is to make you laugh and to entertain more oh, yeah. than it is to horrify 100%. but i thought it was really um i i thought it was really effective that they 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 that they the way that they kind of played that where they took the sort of existential motivation and the the the, the, the horror of having like the monkey paw and this hope but yeah. spinning it for absurd comedy instead mm-hmm. Of making you try to shit shit your pants or right. go go insane, while right. also kind of having the madness in there, which is what's so great about Rick Moranis's story mm-hmm. art yeah, throughout yeah, it, right. about Seymour's uh, story yeah. art throughout it. Yeah, it's fun. It's silly. It's a fun like flavor to it, you know. Like that's probably what made it this like cult hit because it had this like <laughs> this really bizarre, weird <laughs> story in the center of it, you know. Um, and just like a weird, yeah, like this, yeah, like this Lovecraftian, like supernatural, like kind of goofy, um, yeah, existential <laughs> crisis at the center of it. Cause it's about, it really is about a guy who, um, is trying to get a better life for himself, right? And mm-hmm. like, and this existential crisis of like, having to keep his job and want to, you know, <laughs> like, you know, keep his position at this place and, and fall in love with Audrey, which is like, her performance is hysterical. Yeah. Her, her, there are what an exaggerated, characterized performance. so fucking funny. I wrote there, one of my favorite lines ever that I did not catch the first time. I saw this <laughs> she was like... <laughs> She's talking about. Uh, I, look, I also think it, it's funny, very dark, but that like her abusive relationship is just like played for like laughs. Like, it's kind of like a joke in this movie. Like, yeah. She, she keeps getting 
like she keeps going back to this like but it is like you know it's absurd that there is like this kind of deep like you were saying like it's kind of this like deep rooted kind of sadness to that to that character too but she was like talking to him about like going back to the ghetto and he was like <laughs> because of the way of her accent he was like the gutter he's like yeah no, the gutter the strip club the strip club down the street like <laughs> the way that they blame with her voice like yeah it's not just this like you know when you first see it you're like is she gonna be good like are they not gonna address like how goofy her she sounds but, it yeah. but it's part of the performance and i was like oh you know that that's really great it's a very like um a lot of the gags in this movie and the sight gags are very much reminiscent of like the Zucker Brothers also with like Airplane and Top Secret and the Naked Gun films. Mm-hmm. It does have that very like, which are some of my favorite comedies I ever made. And it has that amazing absurdity to those films too that almost address like these, like another amazing sight gag in this film that just kills me is when every time Steve Martin gets off his bike and how it how he parks it is the funniest thing still that he's ever done. <laughs> he gets off and just looks at it and just like stops like perfectly every time. Like it's just oh my god. And then when he his entrance into the alley he just like <laughs> like flies, flies in. in. It's <laughs> so goddamn funny. Yeah. And yeah. Just like all those sight gags just are so great and just like um but never take away from, like, yeah, this consistent, like, progression of the plot of the story. Which, like, you're right, like, a lot of these, like, comedies sometimes get too absurd, right? And they, and they yeah. almost, like, forget that they're, like, trying to tell a story in the center of it. You yeah, know? which I, I feel like that that, the, the effectiveness of Little Shop of Horrors ties to one of the points you were talking about um, with, with Audrey's abusive relationship being played for laughs, which... Um, in especially in a modern context, might not <laughs> might yeah. not be seen as funny, you yeah. know, right right now. Which I I totally understand that. Where yeah. like there might be some dated qualities about that, which there is less humor to be that people get from this than <laughs> yeah. than that used to be. But um, I, I, I think, think it that works. I think it's just dark, you know. The movie's called Little Shop of Horrors, you know, so there might be some kind of like dark. You know, tends thing to it. You know. Well, what what but, what I like what I like about it and what makes me genuinely laugh and makes me um like it more yeah. is that these characters are going through real human problems. Exactly. You know? Right. Even yeah. even though they're you know these absurd things that right. aren't really human, right? right? They're not really making logical human decisions because they're not in a logical human world. Right. They're still going through this emotional human crisis a lot of times you know like i just want to i just want to have financial security i don't want to live in a shithole i just want to love the girl and i i just want to love i just want to love the guy and have a nice house these are all very human relatable things to it and so i just want to go come on you gotta reference the songs just want to go somewhere green I just want to go somewhere green. I just yeah. want to go somewhere green. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like that that is kind of a um, a fundamental yeah. thing about what makes this movie so effective yeah. is yeah. that as as funny as it is and has as clever as it is, right. well, the um, whole thing in general, like even on stage, on stage, like it's still very successful. You know, like that's what makes it last. You know, like the, even the whole story, not just the films, the 
you know, they're just it's successful on stage too. It's the same, you know, story, right? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh so kind of I think this is a good kind of a leaping point for this uh fun fact, if you will, or a little piece of history about the film. Because when I I, I tend to just browse the Wikipedia after yeah. I watch a movie to see if there's any cool nuggets to glean from right. it. And I found that there was a you you might know this, I don't know how common knowledge this is, but it's the first time I came across it, was that there was actually a different ending that was shot oh, initially, yeah. which was based on the Broadway play or more of the theater production mm-hmm. of it. And in that version of the story, uh, Audrey 2 eats Seymour and Audrey and yeah. succeeds in taking over the world and actually like like spreads their spawn throughout um, through, th- throughout New York. Um, but funny. in the test screening, they found that through all the other musical numbers, people were loving it. But when it got right. to the ending, like everyone went cold and hated it. <laughs> um, and so they changed the ending to be a happy ending to what we what yeah. we have in the final yeah. theatrical version. But Frank Oz made a point that I thought was really interesting about examining the difference between film and Broadway. Yeah. Um, where he was saying that in a Broadway theatrical performance you get to see the actors come out and bow yeah, at the say, end. Yeah, that's so hilarious. you get to you get yeah. to see them be alive. The characters aren't dead. Yeah, but in a movie, funny. it's like they're donezo. You don't get them anymore. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're gone. <laughs> so like that's that that immersion is that's too funny. intense and it makes sad endings too sad for yeah, people. I like that. Also, I think in the eighties, I think we have more tolerance for that now. We have more yeah. we're we're much more of a niche kind of culture with shit. But um they were any any happy ending, any like any Anything that they can put in the movie that is, you know, sappy in any way they fucking put it in the movie. So but I, I, it made me think about how that theater kind of has an interesting flexibility around that when you have right. that sort of like distance from the world immersion. Um, right. Because I was thinking, did you see um, Jared, our friend's mom, did a, a musical Bat Boy? Did you see that? That's a really crazy fucking story because it's about this kid who's half bat, half man. Sweetie Todd. Sweetie Todd is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But but Bat Bat Boy is about this girl, this, this, so this mom of this family gets raped by bats and has (laughs) this half boy, half bat, and then later goes and, and has sex. He has sex with his sister. And they did this at Denison. Yeah. What? So there's so there's incest. It's there's 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 yeah, and it's a great fucking story. It's awesome. But if that shit happened on film, it'd be like, whoa, sure, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. way too much. Yeah. You can't even write that in a script. It's hard to even imply that it in would, like in like in cinema. I think it would be hard for audiences to like. You could do it in a movie, but I think <laughs> yeah, I think most audiences would be and, like very turned off by it. And that yeah. and that might not be a, 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 a totally accurate like uh, yeah. synopsis of what was in Bat Boy, but uh, I remember it. I was really surprised by how raunchy the story was, right. and I don't know the context around that play either. Yeah. But I, I found it really interesting that yeah. this movie had the problem where the original, very successful Broadway play, right. the original ending did not work in a, in, yeah, into like a, in a movie context. You hear that, you hear that with a lot of stuff, even with books too, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's one of the funny complaints to me that I never really understand. I do understand, but I also don't, where people do complain about certain things about being in a book or being in the movie or 
you know what I mean, the book not being included in the movie. Oh, yeah, age-old debate. Or like, yeah, but, like, it's, like, I think people do forget sometimes, where, like, this is a different medium of film, and, like, they might have tried these things that you're talking about, and it just did not work. Not to work, work, For the yeah. pacing, or for whatever reason, you know, in the movie, you know, so they work in two completely different ways, you yeah. know, like, so you can't, um, so there's going to have to, you always, if, if you love a book, I recommend if you love a theater play or a book or something and they're making this little movie, I would say reserve all judgment until you see the thing because it's so different, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, The Last of Us is amazing. An amazing, amazing show. Incredible what they just did. Everybody loves it. Fans of this game love it. Everybody loves it. I was there. I was worried, you know? So video game going to a movie. But it's completely... I get the worry because it's a completely different medium. Telling a story in a video game is so much different than telling a story in a, in a yeah, television Yeah, absolutely. Show. So yeah. the fear is like, will they even be able to translate that, you know, the story to that? But, like, I think I think it's good to acknowledge, like, listen, in the show, not that many clickers. That's fine, but it works yeah. in the show, you know? Like, I, I accepted, like, yeah, they're not going to... There's not going to be a scene where every second Joel's going to fucking throw a Molotov in a, in a bloater. You know? Right, right. Like, we like get all the, the gameplay. Yeah, we yeah, get like, all the gameplay yeah, all like, the scenes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's like, you know, it's a different it's a different way to tell a story. Yeah, that's I like that. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also it also is a good point to kind of bring back the focus to, because we complain a lot about remakes. We, we have complained about them yeah. a lot in the past, but this is Ooh, a good example gross. of about a, a, this is a remake right like this is a remake of a movie and a broadway play I guess, Ad, I don't adaptation really know. and a remake it's yeah. hard to define necessarily what it is yeah because it's hard Can, would this be a remake or an adaptation one, so I have no idea. but um i the feel original, like the, the original movie might be like completely different like, right no right yeah. but 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 the value of that is that this film has a history you know beyond it's beyond being just an original conception from like a writer or right. some one dude like it's history goes back <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and it has multiple iterations of this yeah. story and i think that that yeah, that's that history right you know? that 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 history i think really adds to this version right. of it and um I mean, I you know that's what's kind of fun about like you know even like a doctor like batman or you know mm-hmm. the Superman. The first Batman thing came out in the 60s. So it's yeah. pretty fun to see that they're still, you know, doing it and still, like, coming up with new fun ideas because it has such a history in film and comics and TV, you know? It's, like, it's fun to see, like, different interpretations of things, you know? And yeah, but what, but what you want is the different interpretations of things right, rather right. than just a product yeah, that is yeah. being rewrapped into new different colored right. wrapping and just represented in these regurgitations of new, like, yeah. No, we talked about that. I want the same movie over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over, and over again. Yeah. What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you want new things? <sighs> Crazy, crazy talk. You want to well, have a new experience when you walk into it? <laughs> well, what were what were some of your favorite scenes from this oh, movie, man. especially Dude, after seeing so it many, twice? Man. What are what are some of the standout oh, moments? Man, if you could pick so like many. like one to three that were like the the biggest ones. Well, Steve Martin is just I mean he's a revelation in this movie. It's yeah, he's his, great. It's one of his funniest performances. It's so over the top and hilarious and just. I love that his accent changes like every word. Yeah, like, it, it goes from like 
like like he's laughing like he's laughing moving like back and forth like <laughs> yeah, it so is fun. it's an insane performance um and he's like doing an elvis impression throughout kinda, still kind of like and a kind of elvis it's impression. like, it's like yeah. elvis and then he goes to like james dean yeah and it's like it's so like it's you know he's a genius he's one of the funniest people ever to walk the face of the earth and having a movie like this that really you know lets him just fucking just be insane is a win, you know. And also, and also, doing a performance like that, I feel like his role had the role of failing, had the risk of failing oh, yeah. the hardest. Yeah. So it was. Uh, well, it's funny you say you're right, but I think that they're. I, I guarantee they Frank knew. Oz. I got Frank Oz was like that was the least of his worries. He's like, yeah. It's this is Steve Martin in 1986. I mean, yeah. It's like, dude, this guy. People love this guy. He's gonna yeah. make the right decision. He always does. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the whole. But it's the, crazy that that performance was yeah. the right decision, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. that's what's so amazing that's about watching it. That's why he's Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that whole scene, the I'm the dentist. That was well, that, so funny. Man. That reveal so funny. is so amazing yeah, yeah, that yeah. he set up as being like yeah. the sadistic, abusive yeah. boyfriend. They say your perfect career for you is being a I dentist. The, is the, the is a the great screen too. The green screen. Yeah, I'm, yeah. So good. yeah, that whole shit. That I mean, that like that's one of my favorite musical numbers. I mean, I do love the music. Like, BBC yeah. War is so fun. Southern Lucy Moore. It's a good song. Um, well, I love the scene where he, um, first, like, when, see me see where, when the, the big Audrey uh, 2 sings the song about, get, get, you gotta go get me some blood, you gotta go yeah. cut me up somebody to feed, feed them to me is so funny. There's so many great lines in that song where he's like, you're like, please go massacre somebody, you know, for me, and <laughs> it's so funny, and also, is Rick Moranis singing? I don't know if it's really him. It really Very looked good. like he was actually singing. Very it really good. did. I especially he had a good voice. But, yeah, it, especially because of, I don't mean this as a criticism because I really like the singing, but the <clears throat> imperfection yeah. in the singing right. made it sound right. like he was actually singing. Right, right, right. It didn't exactly. feel too overproduced to be I like a professional. Definitely singing. Yeah. That, he's definitely singing that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that they recorded, recorded it and then they were singing on set, obviously. Um, um, another scene. Sorry, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll interject but, with the scene I like because too. one I, I like was when Seymour goes in for the radio show and talks <laughs> yeah. to that radio radio show host. That was such a great again another sort of random scene just sort of thrown in there that just adds to the absurdity of this <laughs> world. And I, I love that whole There's vibe of that food. one. Where the plant like like reaches out and tries to eat the woman's ass, but nothing <laughs> yeah, comes great. of it. It's just like this yeah. momentary kind of oh, joke. That, the John Candy cameo is amazing too. Yeah, yeah the John Candy things like that. He's just playing another one of the funniest people ever of the eighties. Him again, letting Frank Oz be like, just do do whatever you want. Basically. Yeah, he plays this character who's on this radio show, doing like bringing weird people on, and his whole performance of that is so fucking funny. Which, which like, I, when I, when I first oh, started watching, I my it was like I had my logical brain. Yeah. When I first went into that scene, <laughs> I was like, "What? What is going on? Why are we watching this?" And then it hit me that it was just like, "Wait a minute! This is he's just doing all this is like yeah. a crazy performance. This yeah. is insane oh, yeah. what yeah, he's no, doing." He's, it, that, his character is so, so funny. So he's I like, like, uh, and he's like, 
he's like, it's weird. <laughs> like, and he, like, starts, like, 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 I don't know, like, rubbing, like, bells and shit. And then, like, yeah. passing it in his dog. So, it's such a funny, like, um, you know, parody on, on, I mean, it's hard for us to even understand this, because radio isn't even yeah. really a thing, but, you know, these absurd, like, insane radio hosts, like, local radio hosts. What I also thought was crazy about that performance, too, was that I could hear how the radio show would have sounded like (laughs) from his performance. That that kind of blew my mind, where it's just like, oh my god, I was actually... I'm seeing the behind the scene of this fake radio show, and I can hear the actual radio show yeah. th- from it too. Yeah. I-, I thought that was I thought that was really yeah. really so great. Um, just a, a great. Um, I don't know if that was just all fucking improv, if that was in the script I or would, what. I would believe that that was. I mean, John Candy is one of the you know again one of, again like one of the funniest people of the eighties. Like he was you know king of the world. You know? Yeah, and then he died. Yeah. But, you know, he um, was one of the, you know, the, him and Rick Moranis were on a show called SCCT, SCTV, that was basically the SNL of Canada. Yeah. And um, they both came from that. Um, and, gotcha. Uh, and, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, they're master improv guys, and I mean, uh, a lot of comedians, like, not our generation, but like the Will Ferrells, and, and they, I mean, look up to like Light Liars and Rick Moranis and, and all those guys um, that did SNL back in the day and, and SCTV. But, oh, that's really um, interesting. I didn't know any of that. And then another, here's a little fun fact. I, the Well, another like great little funny moment, the first customer that comes in to the... <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, I actually really he liked is. that moment a lot. That was a great so, scene. Well, he's so one funny. The, he's one of my favorite comedic actors ever. That's that's Christopher Guest, mm-hmm. who famously directed a really amazingly funny movies like Lesson Show, for your consideration. Oh. Um, for Guffman. He's one of the band members in Spinal Cap. Um, he's one of oh, the funniest, wow. one of the funniest people ever. Um, and that I- scene is. God damn. Like, he's in it for a minute, and he leaves, like, such an impression. He comes in, he's like, what does he say? He's like, I want 50, and he's like, that's a cool plant. I'll, yeah. I'll take $50 for roses. And they're <laughs> like, wait, what? And he's like, oh, can you break out a hundred? they're like, no. They're like, all right, well, I'll have to take double roses then. It's just like this such a, like, funny, like, over-the-top, <laughs> like eccentric customers. So that that's that that scene. I feel like the <laughs> genius. The roses, please. I feel like the genius of that scene has a lot of layers to it because it really hit me too, and I feel like it kind of is well, a turning point. Well, it kind of set the tone, right? Exactly. He, because it's this absurd performance, right? But what I what I think Titan. is awesome about it is that in addition to it being hilarious and absurd, it also gets like the brainwashed horror element of it sure, into yeah. the movie so yeah. well because right. he's so weird and it seems like <laughs> yeah. it feels like that you have been affected by some otherworldly thing, which is yeah. you know the plant, the the monkey paw brainwashing of the plant right. that causes him to come in here <laughs> yeah. and want to just like wow, I like this weird fucking crazy looking plant so much, I'm right. gonna buy from your shop for no reason. Yeah. Um, that I never would have before, 
And I feel like that scene was um, so effective in 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 your yeah. right the, the the humor absurdity, but also that blending of of horror in there too. So I I love that performance. Yeah, um, and it makes sense that he has um, some fucking chops then too. Oh he's yeah, not... he's one of my favorite comedic actors ever. Um, what else do I have? I think I have some other. Uh, I wrote yeah, Feed Me Seymour really is the banger. Really mm-hmm. is like the fucking, you know. Um, I would say probably the centerpiece fun song uh, in this movie, and also like really showcased how amazing the puppetry is uh, in that whole sequence, uh, which is like really really fun. And you know, they don't really talk about like you know Rick Moranis is you know another guy that was just like an iconic as shit in the eighties, yeah. and yeah. you know. He is just unbelievably funny, and, uh, you know, this performance is really interesting because it's not, uh, obviously, uh, wild driving, like, what's his character's name in fucking Ghostbusters? Fuck. Uh, Lewis, right? It's Lewis, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll, you can continue with your thoughts. It's Lewis, but, or, it doesn't have that, like, absurd, like, like this, uh, I don't know. He's more reserved in Little Top of Horrors. Um, yeah, he's yeah. Because he's more in, in Spaceballs, which is probably his, like, magnum opus performance <laughs> in Spaceballs. But, yeah, it's Lewis. Uh, it's Lewis, Lewis Tully. Yeah. And Tully, Ghostbusters. Yes, right. Which, I mean, he is unbelievable in Ghostbusters. But in this movie, he is actually pretty reserved. He actually kind of plays the straight man of this movie, which is actually really interesting to see him do. You know? Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to, that, that I, I wanted to bring up the point of just Rick Moranis a little bit because yeah. he's such an intriguing actor to me yeah, because he yeah. not not only, I mean, it's the layer of his performance being yeah. so like amazingly he's magnetic, really good this movie, yeah. um, really, really good. but he just seems like the kind of person that you want to be. He just seems like right. a good dude on yeah. top of that, which right. just makes you love his performances more because that's right. what you like his performance so right. much like he's so likable yeah he's, one of, he's such a likable guy because in in a movie he's just the <laughs> kind of guy that you just he he's he's a really lovable yeah. presence on the screen Absolutely. but he's kind of a dopey weird looking yeah. dude yeah. you know um, no, he's, a, he's iconic as hell man. He's but awesome. I, I find i find little shop of horrors is really interesting because it's it's he's really charismatic while being very understated, right. while while still being very very funny in sort of a straight man kind of position, well, he understood kind of like the role that he had to play because the whole movie around him is so crazy. Right? I mean, his co-star is a fucking talking giant plant puppet, right? Right? You know, so like, and the other co-stars, Audrey is doing this insane heightened, you know, high pitched, you know, cartoon character almost, almost like this Betty Boop. Type, type yeah, right. And, uh, you know, obviously Steve Martin, too, is just, you know, handing it up, like, to the, you know, the most amazing degree ever. And he understood, like, you know, in those types of comedies and those types of roles, like, you can't, you can't have, like, two, you know, you can't, those two absurd performances, like, rarely kind of work, like, that are together. Like, it just, it, it, you know, it's almost like magnets. They, like, propel you know you kind of need like balancing out you know and he kind of like he understood that he had to be the straight man in the movie you know yeah and he is still very funny and still like very uh he plays that role so well i mean him 
and he's in that series he's probably like him getting pulled on the radio show and like when he becomes famous yeah. it's hilarious <laughs> he has this amazing look of like the wilderness you know throughout that whole montage and it's so funny and then finally when he's like you know, stands up for himself, like, no, get out, you know, like, I'm not. Yeah, it's, yeah, You yeah. actually feel it. His performance is really, really great. And it's because you, you, um, yeah, he's such a likable guy, and he's playing it straight. And because he's the, he's the only character, almost the only character in this movie that feels like a real person. You know, yeah. everyone else is so crazy, right? So, some kind of quirk, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a really, really great. And again, you, you do see this when you think about the theater, you're like, man, that's a role, you know? Yeah. And if you get that on stage, that's a fucking role, you know? That and Seymour, you can see those, you know, or, uh, yeah, Seymour and Audrey and Audrey too, like, you can see those performances, like, actors who are on stage, like, want those roles so bad. They're yeah. so, you know what I mean? Like, and see the dentist, I mean, it's funny to see, like, I would love to see this on stage, because I just thought it's such a fun environment for actors to just... Yeah, know, let, let, let loose and you know, have fun, yeah. Just, that's like, and you're right, like, adapting theater could be really challenging, because you have, like, on theater, it's almost like more accepting of almost, like, absurd performances almost on stage, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And on film, it's almost different, right? Because it's, you know, we're the camera is touching every fucking Everything. every muscle yeah. on your face, so yeah, you know, it's, it's a little different, you know. So being loud, that's why old movies feel so weird because like there are theater actors that were on stage and they're putting on these, you know, I love it because it's such a charm to those like fifties melodramas or those fifties screwball comedies, or sorry, thirties, yeah, fifties. They kind of learn how to act a little bit on screen, but the thirties it was like they were like. They yeah, it was a learning so curve. over the top, you know? And, <laughs> and it's weird for people to watch. But, um, yeah, this was just a great, you know, they got screen actors to do it, you know? And, like, there's a there's a lot of disastrous <laughs> movies and stories you hear where they get, they get theater actors to, to come on screen and, and to, to do, yeah. like, their first... Like, famously, Clint Eastwood made... Um, Jersey Boys for a movie. Oh, interesting. Based on Jersey Boys, but he had this like wild, probably inconceived idea to get the original cast who played the Jersey Boys on Broadway for for you know yeah. how many years yeah. to play them in the movie, and it um Didn't you know they're work? not they're not screen actors, yeah. So it felt. They're bad. They're just bad actors. Like, <laughs> you know, but they're not bad actors. They're just, it's a different way of acting. It's a different, it's, it's, they're not trained to do that, you know? Um, which is so, a, which yeah. is a really, really, really interesting thing right. um, to think about how different those, how different those roles kind of function. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that one of the things that, which, which is why I think Rick Moranis's character why Seymour is such a is such an impressive role to play on on top yeah. of that still too because of the the I, I really just love when you get the nuances of caricature and visual performances without speaking. Right. That's when like the nonverbal performances that you can get 
on on cinema right. is the thing that theater does not have as much right. flexibility and access to you know like all those those muscle movements and that's one of the thing why well, the close feels... up the close up doesn't exist in, exactly in theater. Yeah. you don't get the close up at all yeah. so that's a really cool thing about um and I think that part of that uh, too with with Rick Moranis's performance is also his his capacity and his skill and his work as a writer really mm-hmm. made him be very very conscious of like what you were right. saying of the role and the service that he was doing mm-hmm. to to the film at right. the at the end of the day so that's right. it's a really interesting thing where his character it'd be interesting to compare to like a Broadway performance to see how different his character actually feels like how much of this was sort yeah. of like was 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 he was he pulling this kind of from the Broadway play or the original version how much of this is coming from mm-hmm. just Rick Moranis's personality totally. I wonder how yeah. much of that now, now that kind of got me really gets me curious about it's how much of like that a, a of it, yeah. Yeah, how, yeah how how much of that is really different sure in, great. in I mean, the run like a lot of these Theater to you know Sweeney Todd was another really interesting theater Cassell adaptation you know that Bart did um, with uh with the gut with the gut leg um so um <laughs> and the, you know that you know that that was more you know, that's an interesting one too but maybe we'll talk about that one day but um but yeah it's it's a really it's an interesting, you know, I, I'm so, like, not, I've only seen a handful of stage plays in my life. I really mm-hmm. am not well-versed in theater at all. Um, and it's not, like, that I don't want to be. I just, like, never, I don't know, never, like, you know, it's hard to, um, I mean, there's, some, there's plays that I would like to see. I just don't, I don't even really know how to, like, see them. Yeah, that's the big. That's <laughs> you know? a, that's a big thing to me. It's like I I don't know I don't know how to do it. You know, yeah, I, don't know I always how to have do to like be in like New York or Chicago yeah. or like you got to be in these cities. You know that they do productions of like I would love to see the Book of Mormon. You know? Yeah, 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 right. That, you know, um, or Hamilton. I I would see Hamilton. You know, like yeah, I would like to see it. You know, everybody's everybody and their mother has seen it. I would like to yeah. see it. You know. <laughs> Like, um, uh, (laughs) on the, on the, on the topic of, um, kind of still on the idea of a screen to theatrical productions. It also, I also had the thought of, of, of realizing how in film we often have this saying where we say actor is this character, right? Mm -hmm. Actor equals this character. And that's right. a very firm thing in our mind. So, like, well, it's hard so for me. Theater, right? Yeah, because you have a different guy who could be playing something time. on a different yeah. night. But that yeah. reality of that story is not broken by right. the actor switching out on that. That's another fascinating. I mean, that's another thing that's so fascinating about these recurring, you know, legacy characters like Batman, for example, like having multiple actors play different, you know, gives it this new player which makes it fun, right? Yeah, like, because uh, like the debate of like who's the best Batman is fun, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, and it's it's interesting with that because it make it means that the statement actor is this is not like a an un completely affirmed truth. It doesn't yeah, mean right. that no one else can play this character, yeah. but the reality of how it's harder to just switch in somebody else right. in film. Like, like then imagine, for theater, imagine Indiana Jones. You're like, all right, Harrison that's hard Ford as not fuck. Indiana Jones. You're like, that's not real. That's not, you know, you can't. That's no, 
Yeah. Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. So fucking, not, you know, Luke Skywalker yeah. is so is right. so identified. Yeah, and it's not even it's not like to a certain degree it is their performance, but it's also just like their visual like yeah. experience. No, you know, they are the on the screen. The, you know, fucking shape. Like you could draw you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You could draw Indiana Jones. Yeah. The silhouette of him. It's Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's always gonna be his it's, fucking face. Not the, <laughs> it's not the rock. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, um, I think I think that kind of covers a lot of the big points that I was kind of thinking about with it. Are there, are there any other? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> you can you can do both parts if you want. I don't know the song. I have to do karaoke. I have to pull it up. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the fun, uh, recurring, you know, the, the the three like almost like um, background singers that like pop in and out of the movie, like yeah, the movie yeah, yeah. That's really fun. I like that a lot. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of a uh, an interesting an interesting tidbit and in a really long yeah. intro, which is another thing that's kind of oh, you don't yeah. really see much in movies where that's you have total these musical thing. opening total opening yeah. uh, opening credits sequences that doesn't really happen as much no, anymore. And I, mean, I, I like those. I like them when they're great. Get you in when the movie when the when the just like overtures with like the music and it's fun to see like fucking seated, you know, to see in the vibe of it. Yeah. And then what I also like like opening scenes where the first scene of Wolf of Wall Street is Leo Leo snorting cocaine out of the hooker's asshole. So that's pretty <laughs> fun too. Well that's the first shot of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun. Um, <laughs> pretty exciting. I also like when they put you in a cannon and shoot you out of it, you know, yeah. immediately. Um, there's a lot of ways to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of ways Listen, to do it. There's a lot it. of ways to make a movie. I don't, know a guys, of... I don't know if you guys knew this or not. <laughs> there's different types of movies. There's a lot of them. <laughs> I think that is this something? Do you own this movie? So that the, the oh, final yeah, question, you, the final question is like, does this does this get up on the shelf? Would this oh, make it into the me, collection? One hundred percent. This is like for me. This is like, this is like, I can see this becoming like a comfort movie where I'm just like, man, I want to laugh. Like, just put this on. I just want to have a good time. Bob my head at some sick music and just laugh at absurd gags and just uh, have a good time. This is this is going on my show. Yeah, I think right right next to uh right next to um airplane. And, oh yeah, yeah, that's kind of and, a fun uh, comparison. Yeah, yeah, they're actually yeah, the the vibes are similar. Yeah. I think that's that's it's interesting uh, when thinking about it for me. It would definitely depend on how this film feels on on rewatches because I don't think this would be like a priority for me to get a copy of because yeah. I don't necessarily feel I really enjoyed watching it the first time, but I don't feel a strong need to like see it again and again and again. I don't have that kind of like yeah. draw to it, but um, I could see that in context, whenever it gets like put on or like with friends, like this is a kind of yeah. like really safe movie to just yeah. watch with people at yeah. most times. So I could see that throughout my life when it sort of comes up, it will just become something that I'll become more and more and more fond fond of as, as time progress. Comfort movies always are like ones that are like um just fun. Just like harmless fun and 
doesn't require a lot of brain power, <laughs> you know? Just put it on and you're like, like a big comfort movie for me is like something like um, Hot Rod or, you know, um, Popstar, you know, those Lonely Island movies or, you know, they just, they're just, I, I, I just get a kick out of them every time I see it, <laughs> you know? And this movie just has, I just love the vibe of this film so much and, you know, there's not a lot of things like this, and we're getting farther and farther and farther from something like this ever being made. <laughs> so, it's, it's also fun to watch things like this, it's such a relic of the past, like these puppet movies, these, you know, these, like, things that were filmed on sets, big sound stages, and just having fun and with a, you know, and not afraid to go absurd or anything like that, you know, and just have fun and have some of the greatest comedic actors ever to be on film in this movie, you know, with Steve Martin, Bill Murray, John Candy, Rick Moranis, like, it's also a fun reminder of, of all those guys and their career and, and you know, makes you want to go watch Uncle Buck and Home Alone and yeah. uh, all those classic John Candy movies or classic Bill Murray movies like Stripes, Teddy Sack, um, Steve Hart movies like The Jerk. Just makes me want to, it just reminds me of, you know, a different time than comedy, you know? Yeah. And uh, comedy is one of my favorite genres too. And like, and I talk about this all the time with friends and people are like, Alex, I don't care. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about it anyway because I'm passionate about it. It's comedies. Comedies are fucking dead. Where are yeah. they? What the fuck is going on? Where yeah. are they? Yeah. Where are the fucking comedies where I can go and just laugh? It's just a comedy. You know? Yeah. It doesn't have a fucking superhero in it with fucking <laughs> tights on it. Tights on. Where is this a dumb comedy that I can go and laugh and have a good time? You know? Where are those? They're not existing. So, like, when you see a new one that I kind of fall in love with, I kind of like, like, oh, shit. This actually makes me laugh. This is actually a funny thing that is enjoyable to me. So. And, 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 my, and my favorite kind of comedies, because I'm, I'm not as big as... I, I don't love a lot of, like, the sort of um oh, fuck what's the word it's like the the skit based comedies yeah. all, all those things I, I think a lot of them are extremely funny like anchorman but they're yeah. not my my favorite kind of comedy movie my favorite right. kind are movies like this and i would say ghostbusters which right. sort of have like this world and story with this main goal of humor yeah. attached yeah. to it that right. i love that and i agree with you that that's yeah. something that that usually humor is a sideline quality about mm-hmm. something um, because it's, it's really hard to do. It's really hard to make people laugh effectively. Well, also, but, like, now, it's like, I don't want to get too into it, but it, people are legitimately just, like, scared, which is hilarious to me. Right, but, because, because it would be it would be political. A movie like this would become political. Yeah, which, it would. Um, which, which, I, which I understand. Which it would for about two days. And yeah. then people would be like, if it's actually funny, and it, like, a large majority of audience thought it was funny, no one would fucking care in a week. I mean, if it was funny, like, I think people just need to, in comedies, they, they're always, there has to be a risk, you know? Like, you have to try things, you have to, like, try to things to make people act. Don't be insensitive, you know? There's an art to being funny, and there's an art to 
you know, had an empathy for people, yeah. you know. But it, but it is that subversiveness that always makes right. it really, like, makes you bust a gut. You, yeah. You know, and that's, that's the thing about it. it. Yeah. yeah. Like, the thing, even, like, the idea of, uh, like, the scene where um, Seymour has to chop up the dentist. You know, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. manipulating and chopping up the dentist. It's, like, a horrific scene, a horrific dies, idea. But it's oh yeah, like the laughing gas. He overduces so doses funny. on drugs and, yeah. and dies right there. Like these are all like, like subversive, controversial kinds yeah. of raunchy ways to go all about the doing best things. Comedies are subversive and, and raunchy in some way. You yeah, know? but the best it, it's comedies a, that made a splash and people actually watch and, and care about. You know, right? Like, so I just there just needs to be people to come along and, and you know strap up their boots and say, all right, we're ready for the storm, and we're going to try to make something that actually makes the general populace laugh and not please Twitter. Like that. And that's the thing about this movie that I think I, I'm i surprised by that upon what I want to return to is, le- even though I love all these qualities, yeah. is, is less of the special effects and wackiness of it right. and more just like the performances and how funny the yeah, performances right. and the characters are. And the filmmaking is, you know, it's like a very like, well-shot, well-paced fun musical you know it's just like a really and it also doesn't take itself seriously which is like perfect but it's also like it does walk this great line where it's like it's taking itself seriously but it's like it's it's i don't know it's just a good comedy it's, it's like, a meaning it's a meaningful story about right, real humans right. that's not taking itself too serious yeah right it's just like let's just have fun and actually care about making cool musical numbers, fun musical numbers that you actually want to watch rather than like laughing at how stupid it is or something. You're like, it's not a parody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really well-made, weird, <laughs> weird comedy, you know? Um, and it's original. Also, it's an original idea. Even though it's an adaptation, it still feels Super very original. original. I know. Yeah. I, was, I kept thinking, I was like, who the fuck wrote this? <laughs> I didn't come up with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, what a wacky, what a wacky idea. Yeah. Like, all right, it's a guy who lives on Skid Row and who gets a plant and it gets zapped by <laughs> aliens and it becomes a man-eating fly trap plant. Just a, just a, and it's a musical. Okay, yeah, we can run with this. Let's make this work. I'm what? sure there's something here. There's something like, here. How, how did, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, ideas are funny, man. Where I don't know how they, where people come up with some of these things. Well, uh, yeah, and that that I think is Little Shop of Horrors. That's what we have to say yeah, about yeah. about that movie. Really fun watch. I'm really glad I finally saw it. Another 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 kill count for the watch list. Check it <laughs> out. A kill count. Um, so I think it's we're time killing for you. movies now. We're killing murder, <laughs> bloody murder. Um, I think it's time for you to spin the wheel, though. What are we All watching right. next week? Spinning the wheel. <laughs> okay. First one, Black Adam, starring oh, wow. The Rock. Yes, I want to watch it because um, it's probably oh, funny. Man. Yeah. The robot. <laughs> so next one is a movie called Moon Time. It was directed by Mike Lee. Okay. Uh, I, I think I remember the Sackley Brothers are a big fan of this. And I think that's why I added this. Okay. Um, and then, oh, that's not out yet. This is Past Lives. This is a movie that premiered at Sundance. A24 movie that premiered at Sundance. It's coming gotcha. out this year, but it's not out yet. 
Um, so we got a dead end for three. Nagin is also can't watch that. I would love. I really want to see this movie, but it's not available. So maybe isn't it on Peacock? I thought it was on Peacock. Oh, is it? I think it might be streaming you might on Peacock. Be right. I'm not 100 percent on that, but I think it might be. Okay. I think I'm gonna spin again. Okay. For more options. Okay. We got Bill and Ted Face the Music. This is the third Bill and Ted movie that I have not seen. And then you have Ernest and Celeste, which is a cute animated thing that I've oh, never seen. Oh, I've seen that. I watched that recently, actually. Oh, this is a very short movie. Mm-hmm. Um, never seen that. Mimic, which is a Guillermo del Toro. I like that uh, movie a lot. Never seen that. That would be a cool one. And then we have Rachel Getting Married, which is Anne Hathaway, um, Jonathan Gummy film. Um, you know, director of Silence of the Lambs, something wild. Um, yeah. I think let's watch Mimic. Cool. Um, since Guillermo del Toro just won his, what was it? What was his third? Good for him. His third Oscar, right? Because he won. I'm not sure. I guess it would be his third because he won Best Picture for Save the Water. But he also won Best Director, I think. So it'll be his, it's his third Oscar. Oh, that's so cool. He just won his third Oscar for Pinocchio. Pinocchio! And, um, yeah, so let's do Mimic. Yeah, Mimic. I'm this is one of the only Gurgle Crumbies I have not seen. It's, so. that, will be, that will be interesting to talk about because it definitely, um, well, we'll talk about it. It'll be cool. No, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to just watch it, and then we're just going to sit in silence. <laughs> and just whisper mimic every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> Mim- mimic. 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 Uh, well, that, that wraps it up for this episode. Yes, join, us, join us up next week for uh, Mimic, and uh, uh, we'll, see, we'll see you around. Uh, get out of here. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.